Yeah. Yeah, let's pray for him. Tim, Tim really has been. Uh, he uh, Recently, he leads our regional, monthly regional Master Builders Pastors meetings. And it's just, uh, he doesn't preach. Well, sometimes he does. But he said, yeah, I've heard you preach. Um, but it is, it is is hugely encouraging and uplifting and challenging. And uh, just like I've talked about Pete and how Pete has you know, walked me through some crazy stuff. Well, Tim is a part of the guys that I meet with monthly. And sometimes we take others with us. And uh, it's really good. But Tim, Tim has a love of the word. And he has a love for the house. Are you with me? Amen. He loves the church for whom Jesus died. And he loves you guys just as much as he loves his folks. Yep. Um, maybe more. I don't know because you don't know him as well. But just <laughs> They're the bride. Just That's all that matters. So Tim is going to come and share with us. Uh, let me pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're grateful for your heart that caused the word to become flesh and dwell among us. Lord, I pray as Tim shares with us that your Holy Spirit would anoint his heart, his words, and our ears. That we will receive the things that you, Dad, Abba Father, would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, John. So gracious. Thank you for such a gracious welcome. And it is very good to be with you and a blessing. And I've been told by several that I have a tough act to follow after my wife has spoken. And all I have to say to that is I just came to carry her bags. Yeah. In fact, on a Facebook post, that's what I said. Can I please just carry your bags? It's safe that way. So there's a little precursor to what I want to share with you that I believe is a prophetic word for this house. I want to be very quick about it because I know time is important here and I don't want to take advantage of your time and disrespect you this morning. So uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is powerful enough we can squeeze it all in. Okay. And uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58, we find Jesus has come uh, back to his hometown, Nazareth. And in that passage, what we discover is and let me just read it really quickly and wrap this up fast. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house house. And now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I want to encourage you this morning to beware of the dangers of familiarity. Familiarity, if you're not careful, can breed contempt. And I've heard the story of how Franklin Covenant came to be and how John and Kathy were led and moved by God to serve this work, eventually becoming the leaders of this house. And I want to say to you, Franklin Covenant, that you have a goodly heritage. Amen. Come on, you can say amen in here, can't you? You have a goodly heritage and some very godly leaders who deeply love Christ and love you. And I'm telling you, that is a blessing from God when you have that. 
And there's an anointing here that is exportable. In fact, it's already been exported many times. You know, John's talking about uh, 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 my being a blessing to him. And Kathy mentioned that and all of that. But they've been a real blessing to us. And I don't know. You guys may the familiarity may have already sunk in. But there's a little sign up here. And many decades ago. I was here. We had met, become friends. This building wasn't here yet. It didn't exist. You were in a different location. Different things were taking place. But I couldn't help but notice a statement. And John would talk about this vision that this church has. And it planted a seed in my heart. A seed that altered my course for communicating with my own body where I serve. It began many years ago in our friendship at Ridgecrest and then coming and seeing something that I don't know that this is the actual plaque. I think it might have changed. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but it seemed like it was a little larger back then. But the sign that adorns this pulpit is part of the anointing impartation of Franklin Covenant Church. And this this sign has impacted my life, my church's life. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to prophetically encourage you this morning to recognize and cherish the wonderful gift that he means for this fellowship to be in your life. It is a gift to be in a quality fellowship of godly people who love Christ and love his people. And you need, I just want to encourage you to prophetically cherish your leadership here and cherish one another. And I want to remind you of your vision. Love one another. Love one another. That's so important. Just love one another. Amen. So that's just a little prophetic re- precursor to what I really actually want to share with you today. And uh, if you guys have that first slide, I want to talk to you about learning what it means to wait on the Lord and how that produces a healthy soul. God cares about our souls. In fact, it would say in the New Testament that that there is a desire for the soul to for for you to prosper, even as your soul may prosper. It is important that your soul prospers, but prosper is not just a money issue. It's an emotional well-being issue. It's a spiritual well-being issue. It's a, it's a comprehensive reality of life. And God wants our souls to be completely well and whole. Are you agreed with that? How many would like to know that they know that they know that their soul is whole before the Lord? I know I like that. Now, I recently heard a message from Pete Beck, Jr., Regarding the statement in Scripture about what it means to be in Christ. And Pete explained that the actual meaning of being in Christ is that we're placed in the body of Christ, the local church. Being in Christ is not a me and Jesus only reality. Being in Christ is a local fellowship reality. He places us. He takes the solitary and he places them in families. So he places us in the local church. And then Pete shared how being in Christ involves purposeful fellowship and connection with believers in a local church setting in which the anointing of Christ is manifested through their unity of purpose and fellowship in the gospel. That's what it means to be in Christ. Being in Christ is being connected to his body. Well, you can't be connected to the universal body. You're just not that big. And I hope you don't want to be that big. 
Because that would be big. Right? But you can be connected to a local expression. You can be connected to a local fellowship expression. And that's vitally important. Now, you need to be connected in a sense of purpose. And that purpose has to be rooted in the gospel. And I know your leaders here care about the gospel. And by the way, the gospel is not just a message that we preach to get somebody saved. It's the word of God that's come to us, the good news of Jesus Christ that we live our lives by. That's the gospel. God uses it. It's powerful to bring people into salvation, but it's more than that. So being placed in Christ means being placed into his anointing and his anointing brings us together with purpose. Where is Christ's anointing most readily expressed? Right here. And can I tell you something where the presence of God is? There shouldn't be a complaint. If Jesus is in the boat, doesn't matter what the storms look like, how big the waves are, how high the winds blow, how strong they are. If Jesus is in the boat, you're going to get where you're going. Because the presence of God carries us to the place he calls us. He never abandons us. He never forsakes us. If Jesus is in the boat, he's with you. His presence is there. You're going to get where you're going. It just looks like you could die in this moment. But trust me, you won't. Okay? You won't. I've been there. I've got the T-shirt. I've lived that experience many times over in the ministry where I thought, oh, God, I think I'm going to die here today. You know? But I didn't die. He carried me all the way through to the place he was trying to bring me. And he's still doing that. See, Scripture speaks a good bit, saints, about being in Christ through our fellowship in the gospel, producing the value of community together. And that's how he helps us weather the storms. And by the way, when you're in a boat with Jesus, you're in a boat with other people. Pay attention to who's in the boat with you and where they're at in their faith. And become an encourager in the boat. And not a doomsday person. Let that sink in. This should be of tremendous important significance to us because it is the work of God. And he wants to bring his presence fully, fully realized, fully experienced in our lives. The, my favorite times, believe it or not. And listen, I have a long time with the Lord. When the Holy Spirit speaks to me and it's wonderful. But I have to admit to you, my favorite times is with the body. In the presence of the Lord. Because I know there is something of a special nature to his anointing in the house. Where his people come together. And it's precious to the Lord and it should be precious to us. This is why I don't ever like to miss. You know? I was praying this morning that back home in my absence, that they're just having the best time. And they said, maybe we'll double in size while you're away. I said, hope, I hope you triple. <laughs> and I hope the influence of the Holy Spirit is more powerful when I'm in Franklin this weekend than when I'm here. Because that's what my desire is for the house of God. And it should be all our desire that the presence of God would only increase in measure. And reality in our midst. And the way that happens is when we come together with the right purpose, the right attitude and a unity for the gospel. There's something powerful about the presence of God among us. And there's a sweet presence in this house. 
And we shouldn't overlook that. Let's not let familiarity strip us from the realization of the tremendously sweet presence of God that we have available to us right in this moment. There's something interesting that we need to realize. This is important. Did you know that being present does not automatically... Can we put up the next slide, please? I'm sorry, I forgot to notify you. Being present does not automatically mean you're participating the the way that God says is important and beneficial. You can be in a group and not be part of the group by reason of what's going on in your heart. And a lack of understanding the purpose of being part of a gathering of believers can and often will. It often will result in being absent even when present. You know, back in the days of my rebellion, when I was in school, they would call us into a whole group meeting to see if we were all at school. And I would show up and I would say here and then I was checked out. My 18 year old friend at the time who had a truck would be outside waiting at a certain place for me to escape that meeting and hit the truck. And the fishing rods were in the back bed and the lake was calling. But as far as they knew, I was present that day. But I wasn't present. Now, notice in this picture, the man with his arms crossed. And the lady's distracted by her phone. They're present, but they're not engaged. They're not a part of what's going on in this particular moment. And sometimes a group is going to experience someone who may set their aim to make sure others know that they wish they were somewhere else or that they're not in real unity in that moment. Some people can't help but broadcast by body language, which is 70 percent of our communication, by the way. It is. But some people can't help but broadcast by their body language. I wish I were home. I'm only here because I have to be. The wife wouldn't speak to me half the afternoon if I hadn't come. I'm missing half of my favorite football team. Of course, that's over now, right? You know, I don't even agree with half what that guy says up there. After all, I've got it all together. I don't need him. (laughs) Folks with these attitudes may pout or their actions may say very loudly that they have an issue with someone in the group or with the group as a whole. Maybe I'm here like this because I'm offended with somebody and it's not the leader that's speaking. He's not my problem. It's somebody else. But it's not been reconciled. It's not been fixed. And so I'm agonizing because the person I'm offended with is in here, too. And I don't want to run into him. And I don't want to deal with the whole issue. And you know what I'm saying? Can we be real up in here? Are you OK with that? All right. Good. These are cases where we can be present, but not connected or participating. We're disconnected. And when we're disconnected like that, we're disconnected with what scriptures teach us is God's desire and design for us when we're together as his body, the church. And this is important. So this brings me to an interesting and popular Old Testament scripture, because the title of this is how waiting on the Lord is the, the, the avenue for a well soul. Learning to wait on the Lord. Now, when we say this. 
And we read it from Isaiah 40, verse 31, where it says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be willing. They shall uh, walk and not faint. We read that from an individualistic mindset. But can I tell you something about the Hebrew language? In this passage. The Hebrew in this passage for wait, the word wait is the Hebrew word kavah. And the Hebrew word kavah literally means to be wrapped tight like a rope, interconnected, connected together. That's what it means. It, it actually has also in its meaning gathering. Gathering. Let me just put that up for you. Kavah, primitive root, meaning to bind together, perhaps by twisting. Collect figuratively, uh, figuratively speaking, to expect, gather together, to look patiently, tarry, wait for, on, upon. It's only ever been looked at in that Isaiah 40 passage as somebody getting in their room and sitting still and just waiting. But there is so much more to waiting on the Lord. To truly waiting on the Lord. Now, notice the nature of this Hebrew word. It involves collecting, connecting and community. Collecting, gathering, connecting when we gather. And that is how that's what community in the eyes of God really is. We're not a community if we're just here. We are a community when we connect while we're here. Okay, our hearts knitted by the gospel. All we need to connect together is the same gospel. The same Lord, the same spirit, the whole push for unity in the scripture is that we have the same Lord, the same spirit, the same gospel. And God moves us together in a way that constitutes waiting on him. And it's in this practice that he, by the work of the Holy Spirit, builds us together as a church. And I got to tell you something. When people come in and experience a people that are truly, truly in community together, they cannot help but come face to face with the presence of God in a mighty way in that context. We see it all the time in our own house, church, our, our home church. Uh, the, the, the testimony many people come as I've never experienced. The presence of God that way before. We're not getting up and trying to say, oh, the presence of God here, the presence of God here. We just do what we do. Had some recent visitors from out other countries uh, and, and one's a pastor from New York and they were there and uh, he was giving testimony. He said, my liver was quaking. My stomach was quaking. My heart was quaking. I've never felt the presence of God like that. He says, oh, my God, if this gets stronger, I don't know what you guys will do. I said, well, lay on the floor and enjoy it. God, there's something about when people start getting this, this idea of what it means to really wait on the Lord together as a community. There's something of a powerful release, an anointing. On the house that is incredible. You guys have a sweet, sweet presence here. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here this morning. Right. 
Right. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm releasing a word in this house in the spirit. Because I believe there's something that the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. There's a, there's a place God is taking this house. Amen. It's part of your destiny. Now, you cannot properly worship God without being connected in proper relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters where God places you. See, being present. Can I get the next slide, please? Being present, but not a part is not the proper way of waiting on the Lord. It's not. We have to be connected. We have to be in community. We have to be more than just here. And you matter. This is why every individual in the church matters. Do I have another slide back there? Thank you. Everybody in the church matters. You don't have to be an amazingly gifted person. You don't have to have a speaking gift. You matter. Your presence, the part of Christ in you that you carry as an earthen vessel is an incredibly important part of what this fellowship is. It's important. So you matter. Your, your reason for being here. Did, did we not have that slide? The next one. There it is. So you matter. You don't you don't need to be without your hands clasping others. Connect. Connect. I just want to say the word again. Connect. <laughs> Connect. Could we have the next slide, please? In Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, it says, Jesus says there, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God cares more about your connection than he does how beautifully you sing. He cares more about your connection, about how high you raise your hands. He cares more about your connecting than he does about how beautifully you dance. He cares more about your connecting than he does about how eloquently you can prophesy. How do we know this? Here's the heart of Jesus. When, I, when you come together, guys, make sure your hearts are in tune. Make sure your hearts are clean and clear. Make sure that you can follow my command to love one another in integrity and purity and authenticity. That matters to Jesus so profoundly. And then when we add to that the beautiful singing, the beautiful dancing, the wonderful prophecy, the gifts of the spirit and all that goes with it. Whoa, man, <laughs> that's incredible. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? You got a recipe for blowing the roof off this place. Now, we're not called to worship as isolated human beings. We're called into Kavah to wait on the Lord as a community. We're not to be disconnected from one another. In my younger boyhood days, we had a cowboy hero. And I, I'm going to reveal my age here. This cowboy hero, he rode a white horse and he was called the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Now, he had no posse, no team, no group of men who rode with him. He just had an Indian sidekick named Tonto and that was it. And Tonto wasn't always with him. He showed up at critical moments. Now, he didn't need anyone else. And, and, and he was called the Lone Ranger for that reason. 
And so he'd ride in on his white horse and save everybody as the Lone Ranger. You know, he didn't need all those people. He just rode in to help those people and ride off into the sunset. Come on, you know somebody like that. It's okay to admit it. Could I have the next slide, please? God does not call us into Lone Ranger Christianity. It is a deception. And God doesn't have Lone Ranger ministries. That is a deception. Neither one of those are God's reality. The enemy lies and says that a believer can be separated from other believers or present but not apart and somehow grow into a model disciple of Jesus or an authentic worshiper of Jesus. And that is the furthest thing from scriptural reality and truth. It's not true. It's a lie. It's meant to steal from us and rob from us and keep us from inheriting all that the goodness that God has for us. And there's a blessing. There's great blessing God has for us when we are connected in community. And by the way, he doesn't say connected in community because the community is perfect. (laughs) Hello. The community sometimes is the cause of the waves and the wind. (laughs) Hello. So. But a serious examination of Scripture would teach us quickly and clearly that. Thinking that we can do this all on our own, or just a me and Jesus reality, that's deception. That's off base. We've already witnessed how Jesus taught us we can't authentically worship him while at odds with a brother or sister due to sinning against them. If we know we've, we've sinned against somebody and they're legitimately offended with us, we need to fix that. Amen? We need to fix it. We don't want them to struggle in their walk. Look, we should be so looking out for each other that we're not trying to be a stumbling block in anybody's life. Our desire is for them to grow and be healthy in Christ and his kingdom. That's our desire. So scripture is constantly seeking to bring us together with right heart attitudes, looking out for one another according to God's placement in the body of Christ. And he, he wants us to be involved very purposefully with others, not just know them by their name casually on a Sunday morning, but be very purposeful in loving each other as the body. And this was even understood under the old covenant. In fact, uh, if you'll put up the next slide, let's look at what the psalmist wrote. Uh, In Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, he says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This attitude in the heart of God has always existed. The Trinity is in unity. Unity is an attribute of the Godhead. And it is an important value for the people of God for that reason. So it's good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. You know, that's that's a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit anointing. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, where the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. There's three things depicted here. First, it's like. The precious oil. This is the value of the Lord. We already covered that in verse one. The second thing is the precious oil running down the beard of Aaron. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not the result of how many hours you pray in tongues. It is the result by how deeply you're willing to connect. 
in the purpose of waiting, kavah, waiting on the Lord in the community of the saints, that the real anointing of the Holy Spirit gets released. There's a powerful anointing when we get this right. When the dew settled on Mount Hermon, for instance, the third thing, it produced life. It watered the land. It watered the territory. The dew fell on the, on, the, on the mountainsides of Mount Zion there, the dew of Hermon. And after that would happen and the sun come out and shine, the flowers would pop up and bloom. And it became a, a garden, as it were. You want a well soul? Get it the way God says you get it. Don't run from the community. Run into the community. Yeah, but you don't understand, Tim. There's some people there that are weird. They may be thinking that about you, too. I get that. But that's the beauty of it. He doesn't tell us to run into the community because we're all clones of one another and we look so identical. He's telling us to run into the community because as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend, his brother. We need each other. We need the diversity of one another. We need the disagreement of one another from time to time. We need to be challenged to think, did we figure it all out in this one moment? We've got the whole mind of God. No, maybe we don't. Maybe we need to think a little deeper. Maybe we need to think a little broader. But how do we do that if we're not mixing it up? If we're not being challenged by one another? How do we do that? See, if you sit in isolation... You become the most brilliant person, you know, and and the only person, you know. Come on. I'm the smartest person. I'm the only person I know. That's what happens. You know. I've had what I thought were brilliant ideas, and then I sit with other leaders and I start to bring out one of my ideas and I start to hear the chuckles. And I'm like, oh, God, I really missed this. one. How did I miss it that badly? Well, because, Tim, you were just alone with your own thoughts. You needed somebody to rub you. And so I praise God for those moments. Some of my greatest revelations came out of those moments. All I had was a seed of revelation that needed the watering of other components in the body so that it could bear the right kind of fruit God wanted it to. And the reason I needed that watering was, is if I had to try to water it myself, I'd have watered it with acidic water and killed it. Because I needed somebody to help me check my motive for what I thought I now knew. And make sure I had the right motive the Holy Spirit wanted me to have before I open my mouth and insert foot. I'm kind of like Peter. I can do that pretty easily. When we come into the right frame of mind, brothers and sisters, and the right frame of heart, something wonderful is realized. Something wonderful is realized. And his presence and a clear, pleasant atmosphere where heaven is able to kiss our earthly moment in time results. Heaven wants to kiss earthly moments in time where we're together. Revealing the affections of the Father for us. Revealing just how deeply He loves us and is with us. 
But he wants us to be together for that moment to occur. And this is what makes gathering on purpose such a beautiful experience for those who understand it and take advantage of it with an attitude to kavah, to wait on the Lord. And this brings us to the idea of what it means to love each other. Let's look at this real quick. If you'll give me the next slide, please. From Colossians 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be encouraged. Notice the motive. For why the man of God wants to see their faces. What he desires for them. That their hearts might be encouraged. How? Being knit together in love. And attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Can I tell you, you have not even began to tap the treasure trove of God's wisdom and knowledge if you have not learned community. That's what we're seeing here in this passage. It's what Paul is revealing by the Spirit in this passage. How are hearts expected to be encouraged? Well, it begins at being knit together in love in the body, locally. See, yeah, we love people across the world that are our brothers and sisters, but you're not there face to face. You can't embrace them. And they can't challenge the real quality of your love for them because they haven't been able to have the opportunity to offend you yet. Let's get real. Come on. See, all that Paul's talking about in Colossians 2 is taking taking place in a gathering context. It's taking place in community. And, it, and, and he's, he's, he's telling us what the keys, if we want to tap into the real wisdom and, and the knowledge and understanding of God the Father and Christ the Son, we've got to come into this kind of context together. Doing community for the right reason, having the right purpose, the right motivation. And then the revelation of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. In reality, and begins to open up our understanding in ways that we never thought it could be done. Love is a key to any community of believers experiencing what they're called to experience in Christ. You're not going to experience all that God has planned for you without community. It can't it can't be done. See, by loving what is ours, and I want to stress this real quick, and I want to be really quick here because I'd like to get you guys out. I hear stomachs rubbing, so... You'll live. Are you, are you enjoying this? You, you can say, oh, me or oh, my, or I wish you would shut up. That's fine. You won't hurt my feelings. So, but we're, we're not asking. We're not looking for getting out of the context of community because we are learning to love what is ours. Until you realize this is a gift from God for your life. You will struggle with the call of God to love what is yours. My wife and I, this November, will celebrate 31 years of marriage. Now, I'm not regretting that I've spent 31 years of my life with her. I'm not. 
I can promise you that in 31 years, there are not enough fingers and toes on my body to count the times we've been in disagreement or had some kind of heated argument or, or seen things in a very different way. Or even maybe even perhaps felt like instead of my greatest ally, she became my enemy or instead of me being her greatest ally, I had just become her enemy. But we'll celebrate 31 years this November, not regretfully, but rejoicing in the Lord. For the gift that we are to each other. We're a gift that God gave. You know, and so we're always trying to one up each other every morning. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're just saying it. No, I'm not. I love you more. No, I love you most. I love you to infinity. Well, I've transcend all of that. Something happens of a very positive nature when you begin to get to shed the scales of familiarity and have your eyes open to the beauty of the gift that God has given you in the context he has positioned you and you begin to love what he loves and see it as a gift in your life. Something happens in the heart and instead of complaining about the gift you've been given because it no longer feels like one to you in that case. Instead of that, you're giving God thanks. You're rejoicing in the Lord that he gave you this gift. What a difference it makes. Because happy people are willing people. Joyful people are strong people. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And he brings us that joy through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And he manifests the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives very readily when we're together. And we allow him to do that. And when we get this understanding, saints, coming together is no longer a consumer type of attitude and thought. Consumer being, I wonder what I'll get out of being there today. If my first thought is what I can get out of being there today, I'm in the wrong frame of mind. My first thought should be, I wonder who I could. Lord, could you let me be a blessing to somebody today? Is there someone I can encourage today? Is there someone who needs just a fresh wind of something positive and something uplifting because they're, they're at a point of struggling and I'm not saying anything to anybody? Direct me to that person, Lord. Let me be a positive influence. Let me say something upbeat, uplifting. Not let me go and hear their complaint and then soak it up like a sponge and then wring it out on somebody that... No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, no, I I want to encourage you. Look, the scripture says this about us. The scripture says this about us. The scripture gives us this promise. The scripture says Jesus is in our boat. We're going to get where we're going. You're going to get where you're going. And we're going to get there together because we're in the same boat. Here, if you're tired, give me your oar and let me row a little while for you. But we're getting there with his help where he's just told us we're going. Because he's with us. He's with us. 
Giving of ourselves, our time, our resources, our gifts, our talents, our affections and our caring according to God has wired us comes much easier when our understanding of these things starts to sink into our heart and to our mind and the soul and the heart become in sync. Can I share this bit of information with you? Your spirit man knows exactly what I'm talking about this morning and rejoices to hear it. The problem comes in the soul. It's got to be renewed. Sometimes we don't realize it, but we have some stinking thinking. And so we have to fix that. We have to fragrance it with his presence, which is revealed to us by his truth. And his truth comes and it reworks and refires our brain a little bit. So that our brain starts to hear that 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 little voice of the spirit of God that's residing in us in our spirit, man, saying, that's not my way. I want you. I want you to, you know. And we refire, we reprogram and all of a sudden we start to hear it and we're like, yeah, that's much better. I would rather do that anyway. I'd rather say that anyway. I really do love that person. Imagine that. (laughs) You know. If we could have the next slide, this all begins and we're getting real close to the end here. This all begins with love. What is yours? Love, what is yours? It's only when love begins to dim in the heart that problems begin to find a way into our mix. We're always ready to promote whatever it is that we love. I've never met anybody that had a problem promoting what they love. That which holds our hearts gets our priorities in life and our best effort. It's just the reality. And when Christ is first place, we promote him to others and we seek to help others discover the riches of what it means to know him. And when there are people in our lives that we love, we seek to see them blessed and we do what we can to promote them in the appropriate areas where God has gifted them. That's what we do when we love. So ask yourself this question. When I think of certain ones, is my goal to tear them down and diminish them? Or is my goal to build up and to love them? Which is it? Because when we belong to a group or community of people in love, we seek after their good and we desire to be a blessing to them, even if it means we sacrifice to do it. Love is a key to truly engaging in and experiencing kavah, waiting on the Lord. But the more than that that we should get is that Kavai experience has a reality of being a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple, Jesus said, and what he says is about what makes a disciple is no coincidence. If you have the next uh, slide, it's no coincidence. He says this is how people know we're his disciples. It's not by how eloquently uh, theological we can be or how much we know about eschatology or how much we know about a particular scriptural or spiritual subject matter. It's not that. The thing that's going to prove to this world we're his disciples is right here in John thirteen thirty five. By this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, your influential little plaque here impacted my life some time back. And it's become my mantra.
The proof of our being a disciple is not rooted in choosing a place to belong based on how it serves my wants and needs. It's choosing a place based on God saying, I want to connect you to this people because they're not perfect just like you aren't. But they're under my love just like you are. And I want you guys to learn to love each other the way I've loved you. That's what it is. It really is that simple. And it's reflected in our ability to love those where he places us, work through misunderstandings, differences, quirks, annoyances, cultural diversity, offenses that will arise as a result of being different at different places of spiritual development. This is the always continual condition of the church. No, at no given point time in history in any local or universal expression of the church has every single member of the church been at the same place in their spiritual development and maturity, been at the same place based on their cultural upbringings and understandings, been at the same place in their socioeconomic status, been in the same place with their race or gender, been at the same. We can just keep going. Diversity has always been present in the church. From the time it was brought into the earth in birth till present day. And it's always going to be that way. The only thing that we can bring to to the mix of that is our own heart motivation and attitude being in line with what Jesus says is most important. And when we do that. Even though that's the context and it's that extremely diverse, we have the capacity to love. The capacity to appreciate, the capacity to give thanks, rejoice, and have the joy of the Lord flowing into us, which is our strength. So the next slide, please. Love, what is yours? Love, what is yours? Your soul, health, and mine is always going to be on par with the faith that enables us to love others that God has connected us with. If you were honest, and I'll be honest, my soul health suffers when I'm at odds with somebody. It's always when I'm at odds with somebody. When, when I'm not at odds with somebody and everything's going well like it should be, my soul is in great shape. <laughs> I don't feel vexed. I don't feel perplexed. I don't feel worn out. I don't feel dragged down. I don't feel exhausted emotionally. I don't feel the whole thing. When things are where they should be, come on. I'm just soaring like an eagle. I've been in Kava, waiting on the Lord. I'm just, I'm, man, I'm up there flying on the heights. It's all good. Hallelujah. So let's not allow ourselves to settle for coming into these types of settings and the other kinds of gathering settings that a fellowship of people offer out of obligation. Let's avoid the obligation factor. And let's come with an attitude that's not of tolerating somebody, but eager to see and to be. Let's not insist on things being done our way to the level we think they should be done before we can really commit our hearts to this. <laughs> there's some things I want to do. I don't even want to commit my own heart to it sometimes. <laughs> and the only thing that can win the day is the Lord said it had to be done. So, Lord, I'm going to work on this attitude. I'm going to just let the Holy Spirit tell me the truth about the real thing going on in my heart and not think that I'm the super saint. that could never have a wrong attitude or a wrong thought or, you know, you know what I'm saying? 
I know I can. I do it often. And the Holy Spirit points it out to me. And it's when I fix that, that then I can embrace the very thing that before I was not very happy about. Because it, maybe I wasn't happy because it was in my idea. You know, I don't know. But whatever it was, the Lord knows how to even fix that in my heart if I let him. So let's not insist on things being done our way. Love fueled by faith comes first. And, and we learn to commit not on the basis of an expected outcome contingent on what others do for me or toward me, but on the basis of a changed heart in me. In me. He calls us to Christ. Christ brings us to the Father. The Father gives us his spirit and we are no longer orphans wandering around alone. God has placed us in a family. And that's what it tells us in Psalm 68. It says God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God wants us to always be a well-watered garden. Full of his spirit, full of grace, not afraid of the truth, not afraid of one another. You know, he wants us to flourish. And this is how he does it. This is how he does it. Have you learned to love what is yours? Because if you haven't. You need to. Because it can change so much. So much of your outlook, so much of your current, so much of even how you view the past can be altered. By just letting the Holy Spirit produce a work of loving what is yours. And engaging and waiting on him the way he says it should be done together. Connected together. Can we pray? Father, you're doing incredible things in this house. And circumstantially, sometimes we can look about, and you know this because you see us do it. We can look about and wonder, well, where's this or where's that or where's this person or that person? And what, why did they do this and this and so much? But that's not where you want our focus. You want our focus on Jesus is in this boat. He's with us here. And so, Father, we want our hearts to be moved by your presence. We want our souls to be washed and refreshed by your truth and an awareness of your presence. And, Father, we want that reality that we just heard of Kavah to be our reality. We want to do it as community. We want to do it connected in our hearts. We are your body together, not alone. But together. And so, Father, we're asking you to move by the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts and help us develop even stronger. Maybe we already have it, but may you strengthen it and increase it. And if we don't have it, may you produce it. This thing called loving what is ours. Show us. Pull the scales off our eyes of the tremendous, precious, valuable gift that you have given us in this thing called Franklin Covenant Church which is these people that make it up. The brothers and sisters in faith that comprise it. Father, make that our reality. Make it, make it real by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.